12 Baptist Required Jump Rope. What? Where else can Cosmo go? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan on another winning Monday. And with that in mind, we welcome back yet again on a Maddich Monday, ESPN College Football Insider and Expert. He is a national champion. Trevor Maddich is back on the show. Trevor, how was your weekend of football from Thursday to Sunday between college and NFL overall? No, it was it was fantastic. What a weekend for BYU. I mean, they get this win. They've got guys in the NFL that are doing great. I mean, it was for BYU fans and and for me in particular, having gone there, it was a it was a wonderful weekend just starting there. Yeah, let alone general conference. We had a great weekend, right? So let's talk about how BYU did this. We just shared our opinions, but how did BYU win this game with uh, 295 yards of offense and being out out yarded by over 200? Situational football. I mean, you, 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 they won the game with execution and being more mistake-free. It's the way they kind of lost it against Kansas. And so you can see the Cougars take a step forward. You can see their determination. I mean, they they gave up a lot of, of third-down conversions, about 50% to Cincinnati. But Cincinnati was only one in three on fourth downs. BYU's defense got two, or BYU's defense and the special teams, they got two um, turnovers. And so this is how BYU wins. BYU had fewer penalties than Cincinnati. So while Cincinnati was moving the ball up and down the field, in the moment when a play had to happen, either BYU made that play or Cincinnati did something to hurt themselves. And so this this is BYU's formula going forward. You know, that they're, they're a more disciplined group in general because of the way they recruit and the kind of kid that comes to BYU. And when they play to that, they're really hard to beat. Trevor, I, I can't explain BYU football right now in any other word than almost sudden. Like, they, they can just be doing nothing, and then all of a sudden there's this explosive set of plays, and all of a sudden they're up 14 on you. And, I mean, I, I almost felt like it was straight thievery that BYU led at halftime based on how that first half went. But this is kind of who BYU is against Arkansas, even moments against Kansas, and – now, in the most recent one against Cincinnati, my question is, is it sustainable? Is this formula sustainable for BYU to win more football games? It's a good foundation to win football games. There are things they need to improve on both sides of the ball. But if you ask, is this sustainable, this is what you need to build from. That kind of, of making, you know, mistake, not mistake-free, but making fewer mistakes than the other side and then building from there because then that keeps you in position to be able to make plays when they start to arise. And that happened in that touchdown drive at the end of the first half. I mean, BYU hadn't moved the ball at all. I mean, not at all. And then all of a sudden, they three plays, pass plays all of over 20 yards each, boom, 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 touchdown. It's like, where did that come from? And then they came out in the second half and kept doing it. They kept doing what was working. And I tell you, I give a lot of credit to the BYU Offensive Brain Trust, Aaron Roderick, Offensive Coordinator, and the way they put together that game plan because you saw a lot of creativity. You saw that Darius Lassiter touchdown. It was great. You had three receivers on the left. Before the snap, the outside receiver shifted into the middle 
which made the defense shift in and it made them communicate. Then at the snap, the two outside receivers ran inside and Lassiter, who was on the inside of that formation, looped around to the outside and they lost track of him. By doing that shift before the snap and then that loop after the snap, it gave Cincinnati's defense an opportunity to miscommunicate and they did. And then just physically, they finished the play. I mean, there were lots of things like that. BYU ran a fake bubble screen. I loved it. You know, where the quarterback pump faked and then receiver that should have been blocking or would have been blocking ran down the field to, to go out for a pass. It was it was wonderful, the creativity that they used to spring guys in this game in the passing game. And again, that's another part of the foundation that they can continue to build from. Okay, the yards per carry were not great. A late fumble chews up some of that yardage, two and a half yards per carry. But L.J. Martin, 16 for 66, two touchdowns, 4.1 yards per carry. A little Miles Davis in there as well, four for 17. What did you make of the offensive line and the run game that we have belabored throughout the season? Well, I will say this first about the offensive line, that all those great pass plays that Keaton Slovis had, most of them, somebody was protecting. And you've got to give them a lot of credit, uh, a lot of credit and for, for that side of it. The, the run game, the stats look better. You can see them uh, fighting more, and that's good. I mean, you can, you can pick it apart, pick it, pick it way apart when it comes to the actual performance, even on some of their best runs. But from a standpoint of what they need to do week to week, they're, they're doing better. They seem to be playing with more anger. And they, that's where it starts because as an offensive lineman in the running game, you can't just fit up and push. That's what a receiver does on a bubble screen, right? You need to be mad. You need to fire out and, and, and intend, intend to inflict mm. discomfort on that guy. And you're seeing more of that attitude start to get into their game. Trevor Maddich of ESPN is with us on BYU Sports Nation for another Maddich Monday. It's now the bye week for BYU, 4-1 and one through five games. Great position, all things considered. If you go back to the beginning of the season and consider that BYU in some metrics was picked to win only four games all year, they're already there through five. So, Trevor, you've been talking a lot about the foundation. In the bye week, you constantly are seeking to get better and improve and get healthy. What's the one aspect that you would circle that BYU really needs to shore up if they're to have a successful October and then push forward? I think that the biggest thing besides health is the running game. And that means the offensive line needs to keep working on not falling off blocks and on their target when they when they hit a, a defensive linebacker or defensive lineman. Because if you put your head in the right spot and then you keep pushing, even if you push a guy towards the hole, the running back can cut back behind him if you push him farther than he wants to go. And so th there's a lot of learning experiences in uh, from this game uh, for example on lj martin's 29 yard touchdown run that was a great play call just fantastic play call byu was on the right hash they ran into the short side of the field on on third and 13 the defense thought it was a pass it was a run and so the guy over the right tackle he rushed the pass so the right tackle turned and chased him upfield the guy over the center actually crossed his face and almost made a tackle for loss the right guard went down for the linebacker who was dropping into his zone, and they didn't even make contact till about seven yards deep. And so, you know, there, there, there are things there that they did well. There are things there that they took advantage of. There are things there that they can get better at. And in that one play, you can see all three of those, and I think the bye week will help with that. 
BYU, since 2019, is now 26-3 when the kickoff is 6 p.m. or later. Cougars hunt at night, as Riley Nelson said last week. What do you make of that stat? Because it's 14-13 and 13 before 6 p.m. in the same time frame. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, to me, that's just all psychological. I, there, there are some teams that do well on earlier starts and some teams that kind of freak out at night. And then there's the opposite. You know, LSU, they, they play great at night. You know, it's like, okay, but why? You know, in, in my opinion, you're a football player. You get up, and if you're groggy because it's an early start, the other guy's groggy too. So go out there and make him pay for being groggy, right? That's the, the kind of mindset of it. If it's a, a, a cold, rainy, miserable day and you got dirt and grass down the back of your neck and, and you're just miserable, <laughs> guess what? The other guy is too. So you hammer him and you make him full because your will is greater. And so when it comes to the start of the kickoff, I, I see it that way. I think it's interesting for fans to look at those kinds of stats. Uh, but if a football player is influenced in his play by that kind of a thing, he needs to toughen up. Trevor Maddich is always on his A game, whether it's 7 a.m. or 7 p.m., 24-7. Ain't no awesome. groggy. Let's go. <laughs> All right, as we look ahead, Trevor, at uh, the rest of the Big 12 and what BYU is trying to catch and, and compete against in conference, we know that Texas and Oklahoma are, are fantastic, and we're looking forward to the Red River rivalry. It's going to be an amazing game to determine – Who's the best in the Big 12 right now? But who's the third best team in the Big 12 conference at the moment? This is a tough one. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the standings, you've got West Virginia sitting there at four and one. I'm not sure that they um, that they would have that same record if they played the same teams again, right? I think that they're having a great start. No disrespect to West Virginia, but I would really have to say uh, Kansas would be my next best team as long as their quarterback is healthy. Jalen Daniels didn't make the start last week against Texas because he had back spasms before the game. Everybody expected him to start, then all of a sudden his backup went out there and his backup is really good. But at the same time, when Kansas is healthy, they are so hard to stop on offense and their defense is so energetic. I'd have to say that would be the the next best team. You could also make the case that UCF Hmm. is that next best team. I mean, they've got fantastic skill players. Their quarterback is a, a serious dual threat, John Rice Plumley. Uh, they've got real stars on the defensive side of the ball. And you've got to say that, that UCF is a really tough out as well. Now, this is excluding BYU as to where I would put them in this hierarchy, just teams that BYU might face or will face over the course of the rest of the season. But I think once you get past Texas and Oklahoma, you've got you've got a bunch of teams that could beat each other on any given day. Sure, Kansas State's there, TCU, and then uh, are you throwing um, the ba- the Baylor win over UCF was twenty eight point comeback was pretty is wild, incredible. Okay, we have to ask you before we go um, about Zach Wilson and Puka Nakua. Zach last night had some real notable numbers. He's never had a multi touchdown pass game without a pick. He did that last night. He's the first player ever to out stat Patrick Mahomes. What did you make of Zach Wilson's performance in a loss? He was in a bad mood after because he had a late fumble. He felt like uh, he cost him the game, but the narrative changed in one single performance around him. Right. I mean, if you came into this game saying, okay, you've got two quarterbacks. One's Patrick Mahomes and one is quarterback X. And, oh, no, one is Zach Wilson. One of them is going to have two interceptions and a much lower passer rating. Which one would you say, right? <laughs> well, it turned out that right? Mahomes has a lower passer rating in that game significantly than Zach Wilson, in part because of his two interceptions. And the, the, I, I love, we talk about resiliency. We talk about mental toughness. 
And even though Zach Wilson has some plays that he wish he had back, at the end of that game, Patrick Mahomes said to Zach, play like that every week. And that, that's a sign of respect. He didn't have to say that. He could have said, hey, really good game. Instead, he said, you can do this. This is what you can do. Do it every time. And the fact that his teammates and coaches saw him rise up the way he did and perform the way he did in this game is great. But to have Patrick Mahomes yeah. be quoted in the media as saying that, Zach Wilson, this is something you can do every week if you just do it. I mean, that that's a massive moment. Now he has to carry it forward and do something with it. All right, Trevor, we'll throw in Puka Nakua, whose first NFL touchdown catch happens to be a walk-off game winner in Indianapolis. Oh, and he's setting all types of NFL records each and every week into his rookie campaign. How do you explain the phenomenon that we are seeing with Puka Nakua? He's, He's so smart, he gets it. I mean, he gets it. After the game, he described what happened on that on that walk-off touchdown play. And his teammates will listen to that. His coaches will see that, and they'll go, this guy isn't just a rookie running around catching the ball. You know, the quarterback will say, I can trust this guy because he gets it. He, he was running a, across the field from right to left. He was on about the nine-yard line, and the ball came in zone coverage. The ball came in and didn't lead him forward. It stopped him right there in the middle of the field. So without even seeing the defense, he knew that the quarterback saw that there were defenders coming from the other direction that were going to smash him if he kept running. So instead of slowing down, catching the ball, and then continuing in the same direction, he caught the ball and turned straight up the field and ended up scoring the touchdown. He made a guy miss at about the two or three-yard line, and then that guy that would have smashed him didn't get there in time to stop him from crossing the goal line. Now he described that, and, and as a rookie, to be able to, to say, yeah, I understood from the ball placement what the quarterback wanted me to do. Right? That's, that's advanced stuff. Oh, indeed. He's uh, he's officially gone next level. Trevor, we appreciate the time as always. Another loaded match Monday. We wish you the best uh, until you get to football. We're, we're all mourning for two more days until we get to some more football games. So good luck with that. Hey, Seahawks tonight, bro. Let's go, Spence. <laughs> no one's paying yeah, attention to Seahawks Giants. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks, Trevor. Thanks, guys. Uh, ESPN's Trevor Maddich on BYU Sports Station. I'm just giving you a hard time, dude. I knew your Seahawks played tonight. When does the Max start on Tuesdays and Wednesdays? Late October? Is that coming up in a couple of weeks? <laughs> Action. Hey, you know what it is Tuesday nights, though? you got some football. 7 Eastern. After further review, the boys break down the return of the Cats. Uh, well, mostly the Brigham Cats uh, winning in this one. The Mountain Lions, if you will. 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app tomorrow night. We're going to play with fire on this show. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. In a couple of ways. Um, not as well as Cosmo did, though. That's for sure. This is BYU Sports Nation. We running by the Cincinnati bench? <laughs> Let's do it. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. The show is on social media. You can follow yep. us on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube. And- Hanging out in Studio B, I am Spencer Linton. He is Jerem. Let's roll out today's headlines. BYU football beat Cincinnati 35-27 to win its first Big 12 game ever. Moves to 4-1 on the season. How about them Cougs? After a slow start from Keaton Slovis in the BYU offense, the Cougs got hot, including this bomb to Chase Roberts. Slovis under pressure, ducks away. Sends it downfield, it's in the hands of Roberts, and he's loose. Chase Roberts being Chase, but nobody's going to catch him. Touchdown. 
Cougars. 59 yards. Get this to a Paw Patrol NIL. Keaton Slovis ended the game 13 of 24, 223 yards, two touchdowns. Chase Roberts, six catches, career high, 131 yards, and a touchdown. LJ Martin, 16 for 66, rushing, two touchdowns. Jacob Robinson added a pick, six for BYU to get on the board. BYU enters the bye week 4 and 1, 1 and 1 in Big 12 play. And during the show, this just announced the kick time for BYU TCO on October 14th, 3.30 Eastern on ESPN. Not a night game! Add to the win tally of 14 and 13 yeah. before 6. Let's do it. Cougars in the NFL Part 1, led out by Zach Wilson, 28 of 39, 245 passing yards, 72% completions, two touchdowns, and a Jets 23-20 loss to Andy Reid's Chiefs. Wilson ended the game with a career-high 105.2 passer rating. Here's his head coach, Robert Sala. I know it's. I know. I say it all the time up here with this practice and how he how he practices. He's he's been practicing outstanding, and uh, just probably why I get up here and I say what I say. But uh, I was just really happy for him to to go out and show that he does belong, that he can play in this league. And like I said, if he plays that way, we're going to win a lot of football games. Amen to that. Puka Nakua, nine catches, 163 yards, game-winning touchdown in overtime, and a Rams 29-23 victory over the Colts. Most catches, 39, and receiving yards, 501 through a player's first four games in NFL history. Amazing. Fred Warner had 10 tackles in the Niners' 35-16 win over the Cardinals. Tyler Algier, seven carries, 16 yards, and the Falcons' 23-7 loss to the Jaguars in London and in Andy's room. Taysom Hill, four carries, 10 yards, completed a 13-yard pass, had a seven-yard catch as well, and the Saints 26-9 loss to the Bucks. Michael Davis, eight tackles for the Chargers and a win over the Raiders. Sione Takataki, five tackles, the TFL, and the Browns lost to the Ravens. And KVN had a pass breakup in that same game and a quarterback hit. Number nine, BYU women's volleyball loses in four sets to number 10, Texas. On Friday night, BYU won the first set 28-26, much like they did on Thursday night, but then lose the next three. Up next, Big 12 match on the road at Oklahoma as they get back to their winning ways on Saturday. Whitney Bauer, rally era assist leader now. Pretty cool. Number six, women's soccer. will look to get a much-needed Big 12 win, not a tie, on the road at Iowa State tonight, 7 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN+. Wally Thane and Zach Fuchs won the ITA Mountain Regional doubles title Saturday with the win. The duo qualifies for the Nationals in San Diego in November. Thane and Fuchs will compete at the ITA All-American Championships beginning today in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Women's tennis competed in the Cal Fall Invitation over the weekend. Notable finishes include Tina Lee finishing as the semifinalist in the top singles draw. Emily Astle and Bobo Huang finished as finalists in the top doubles draw. Women's golf teeing off this morning at the Marilyn Smith Sunflower Invitational hosted by Kansas State. The Cougars currently tied for third early in the first round of play. Those are today's headlines. Now some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. More impressive fire stunt, Cosmo jump roping and doing 12 backflips through it or the kid uh, twirling fire. I love Cosmo, but a kid twirling fire and being part of something that's awesome. so special on Friday night, that's the winner for me. Yeah. I mean, it was not just a kid, it was kids twirling. Yeah, I, yeah I, I saw another one of a kid that looked younger than that. Yes. Uh, both amazing, I'm not gonna pick one, they're both incredible. Cosmo, 12 backflips. I initially tweeted like, yeah, I did like five or six, and then I watched it again, and I was like, that was 12 backflips for a fire jump rope? What, where else can Cosmo go? How about this? Stunts? How about this, Jerem? Did Jack DeMooney figure out the perfect blend of general conference and 
football on Sunday? I think he did because he's a Bills fan, so he was watching in a Bills helmet and hoodie <laughs> as he watched in a rock conference. He always acts like he doesn't watch the Bills games. Anyone know who won the Bills Dolphins game? He only, he only does it when the Bills, I think when the Bills win, right? Sure. He's not doing it when yeah, the Bills he lose. He wants to rub it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah the exactly. Bills are playing well. Exactly. Uh, in the press box, uh, or, or the, uh, you know, the, the uh, suites, Tom Homel, the athletic director of BYU, of course, did a cougar growl. Listen to this. Every one of the family, Danny Homel, his son, we went around and nailed it. How would you rate on a scale of 1 to 10 Tom's cougar growl? I, his eyebrows and intensity right there. Can we just still frame him in the, the middle charts. of that? Off the charts. Like, so intense. Uh, I think we need to clip that off. Yeah. We, yes. Yes. We need to clip that off and utilize it as our cougar growl on, oh my the, on this show. Uh, now, I, I think it leads a, needs a little more timber. Okay, that's I the only thing that's missing. I don't even Tom care. Tom's a great one. I just think it needs a little, okay. like a little deeper. A little deeper is you, what I'm You and yeah. your growl and your crowing, too. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't even a good one. Yeah. <laughs> After the break, we recap our weekend in the Big 12 Roundup. Jeremy may have done something he's never done all season to this point. This is BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar football enters the bye week at 4-1, but with a tough schedule remaining. What are our expectations for BYU's record over the final seven games? And we'll hear from A.J. Vongpachan, the star linebacker, on how BYU's feeling entering the bye week and what it was like playing in front of a sellout crowd in the historic win against Cincinnati. BYU TV analyst David Nixon breaks down where BYU's most improved on defense this season. And this week's top five features the top five plays from the first five games of the season. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, October 3rd. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man considering a serious hair change, Jerem Jordan. Jimmy Butler showed up to uh, NBA Media Days <laughs> with this look. <laughs> I'm emo, he said. Where are you? And I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's what I hear when I see that uh, haircut. So, yeah, J Jimmy having some fun with that, which is awesome. Jimmy Butler looks, looks like he belongs in the Goo Goo Dolls. Or maybe, yeah. This like, is what we would look like with that look. Oh, my so, God. Please no. Um, <laughs> you especially holding the pole vault? So, like, I like emo music still, but I'm more like punk pop is my favorite <laughs> genre of music. Still, I love it. Like, those bands come through town, and I'm still going to those concerts, man. Yeah, okay. A little, little Blink-182 look for Jimmy Yeah, Blink, Blink's, yeah, punk pop, right? Emo, emo, <laughs> like I like to like somewhat, but not as much as punk pop. So there you I, go. I got to hand it to Jimmy Butler. Also, let's not forget that he has a significant BYU tie. His essentially adopted brother, Jordan Leslie, was a yeah. star receiver for us in 2014. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy watched BYU games. He's wearing a Jordan Leslie number nine BYU jersey. Yeah, that happened. Posting it on his social media accounts. What if he played with that haircut? Couldn't say, man. <laughs> Just getting ready for a free throw. Oh. A little flip of the hair back. That'd be that'd be like Hornacek <laughs> minus the hair. That's fantastic. And a perfect reason to rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Passing a candle. I'ma go don't go ramble. I'ma get lit no 
The bye week is upon us. Seven games remaining for BYU football. And over those seven games, the Cougars have the ninth toughest remaining schedule in all of college football. Well then. This according to ESPN's Football Power Index. Whoa. Ninth toughest out of 131 FBS teams? Are you kidding me? So, Jerem, the question is, if BYU does have the number nine toughest remaining schedule... What do you expect the Cougars' record to be over the final seven games after the 4-1 start? Listen, 4-1 is great, um, but, but this was a significantly easier portion of the schedule than the last seven. So I'm thinking 3-4. and four. Here's my just projected, which uh, it's not going to be this, which is why we play the games, which is fun. But at TCU, you know, I, I'd like BYU to compete. Maybe they go win that one. I'm, I'm penciling in a loss. Texas Tech at home win, at Texas loss. At West Virginia seems tougher than we thought before. I'm penciling in a loss. It's tough anyway because of the cross-country trip. Sure. Iowa State win, Oklahoma loss, at Oklahoma State win. Now, BYU could certainly do better and different than what we're saying. I'm just saying, at this moment, what I think will happen, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking three and four, and you come out seven and five in the regular season, and you go, hey, that's pretty good, all things considered. Didn't know how tough it'd be. BYU didn't have much of a run game. Defense was improved. Special teams was pretty good. Um, I, I'd take seven and five right now because BYU yes. to me is one game ahead of schedule. Yeah. The at Arkansas win is the ahead of schedule portion of this, and so I, I'm excited. That means they can get to seven. Now we should note that Maybe you more. just you just gave BYU two wins that ESPN's FPI says they are underdogs in. What what I, I wasn't paying attention to the graphic while I talked. What BYU's, game is BYU north of fifty in? Iowa State. Just Iowa State. And it's 51%. Okay, so ESPN doesn't think this is happening. For no. Especially it, at Texas. That's why they're giving BYU <laughs> the ninth toughest remaining schedule is they have BYU an underdog in six of the remaining seven games. Yeah. And the one game BYU's favorite in is 51% at home against Iowa State. Now, I, I don't know what's going on with ESPN's computer metric. Again, these are, these are numbers. This isn't They're like They're looking at person. BYU's means as well. Yes. Yes, BYU's 4-1, but like how BYU is playing is not crazy delicious. They're, you know they are I mean? saying that if BYU continues to play the way they're playing, then that is the result that's going to happen. That's how I understand it. Yeah, no, the, like the numbers BYU's putting up in the wins is not crazy. Like BYU's getting it done, but again, what did we say yesterday? This is the new formula. It's not about... Um, you know, eye-popping numbers per se, because the defenses are better. No, it's and about you turn being... the ball over, and you get injured, and da da da. This is Power Five football. This is not the same kind of deal. BYU has opened up a new cookie shop. It's in a different neighborhood. It's a new product. It's different. It's not going to be the same as what you sold before, and what you've seen before. But BYU's four and one. We we, we don't ask. We we're not overly concerned about uh, the means, only as it pertains to winning. But moving forward. Yeah, there's going to be some tougher competition in the back seven here. BYU football right now is compared to a low-scoring baseball game where there's a whole lot of blah, 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 blah. Like we won a, four to two. Then there's a big home run, and it's awesome, and they win, right? And that was all they kind of needed. That's, that's all you needed. Yeah, yeah. So stole a base here and there. You it, laid down yes, a second one. Yeah. Yes. They're explosively opportunistic, and football power index at ESPN clearly does not like that formula. They don't, they don't, they're not buying into four and one. Like, it's numbers-based. It's how BYU has won. They, they were projecting BYU to win three games at the beginning of the season with that metric. Okay? <laughs> three. Three and nine was if you went strictly by 
just percentages yeah. from ESPN's initial FPI. Sure. So the Cougars have exceeded that. They're four and one. I'm with you. There are three wins at least yeah. remaining on the schedule. Amen. At least. There yeah. are at no least, first. because BYU is ahead of schedule and because why, they've shown us who they are through five games, why would they all of a sudden stop being opportunistic and having explosive plays? I don't think that's going to just like all of a sudden stop over and, seven games. And conversely, why would they start running the ball effectively? Yeah. Like, they are, it, who, they are who they are right now. Yeah. What, what will be different in the final seven? What do you think? Tougher teams. What could be different? Tougher from, opponents. From BYU's performances. Well, do we think BYU is going to be able to run the ball more effectively? Like, probably. Like, how many games is BYU going to run for 100 in? They run for 101. I think they'll run for 100 Two against three more. Oklahoma State, against Iowa State. I don't think Texas Tech has a super tough front. Maybe, and you win those three games? Those are the three I Frankly, said. Frankly, BYU should have gone north of 100 yards against Cincinnati, who, yeah. who might be one of the best rush defenses in the conference. And 100 is not a lot again. No. In fact, 100 is bad. BYU should have gone over 100. There were some things that happened that was like, oh, that's a bummer. A snap over the head that cost them 20 yards or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, that, that, whatever. Also the red zone perfection numbers. <laughs> BYU has shown us who they are. There are three wins remaining on the schedule. I'm st- I have said seven for six months. Seven wins. This team has enough talent awesome. to win seven games. The real question for me is, is there an eighth on there somewhere? Can BYU pull a stunner? TCU, Texas, is West Virginia for real? They're 4-1 right now. O- Oklahoma. Or like Oklahoma. If, if BYU beats Texas, TCU, or Oklahoma, that'd be awesome. West Virginia just did it on the road. So that means, hey, BYU can go do it. Well, and frankly... If we're playing, if we're being completely fair to the situation, maybe BYU drops a game that we thought they would win, and then they sure. pick up one that stuns us, but you they still have, end up at seven. You just have to make it up. Like BYU losing at Kansas is not a shocker. That was no. like eh, an eleven-point underdog. It's kind of a fifty-fifty. You're on the road, uh, explosive offense. You lose that game. You turn it over like that, you lose that game. Kansas' the star quarterback actually played in that game, unlike he did against Texas. <sighs> yeah, come on, man. <laughs> And then, like, can BYU challenge Texas or Oklahoma and actually pull one off? Like, historically, obviously, 6-1, and one, that's an amazing number. You summon that 2014 energy when you go to uh, Texas. No Taysom Hill, per se, but, like, can BYU uh, pull off a, a shocker there? Wyoming made it a 10-10 game going into the fourth there. Like, what's possible there? At West Virginia is probably your swing game here. Like, can BYU go to West Virginia in Morgantown? They're like BYU, Jerem. Yeah. But, like, if we're looking at how they've played they're, games, they're they've great, played a lot like BYU. And, and they, got their, they got their starter back last week, by the way. So they were playing the freshman, uh, Nico Martial, uh, but Garrett Green came back and they won. And they blocked two would-be tying game-tying game field goals in the fourth. They're scrappy. Huge, huge plays in that game. TCU is tough. Like, Kendall Bryles is the OC. He was the OC that chewed up BYU with Arkansas. Last oh, year. I remember. Like, that, that scares me. Like, like, that TCU offense with... Chandler Morris, they were slowed down to the tune of 21 points last week. Can BYU do what West Virginia did? And maybe that's your seventh win if you drop one that we don't expect. Or maybe it's your eighth. Like, can BYU go on the high side of 500 and go four and three in the last seven? If, if BYU comes out with eight wins in this, in this season, that's incredible. Given the newcomers, given new season, power five, all of this, like, that would be amazing. Yes. That would be, I would argue, Kalani Satake is uh, probably his best coaching job. Um, you know, 21, I would argue, is the number one so far, going mm-hmm. 10 and 3 off of 2020 and five draft picks. Winning the Pac 12 South, winning the Pac 12 South. Just straight up title. <laughs> Pac 12 gave it. 
<laughs> is there any like is there any like uh, intellectual property we can like buy from the Pac-12? I don't know. Since they're probably going out of business. Uh, the joke remains across. <laughs> is there is there a uh, warehouse sale on the Pac-12? <laughs> the joke remains, yes, in the de facto Pac-12 South title. But it was like some BYU fans put out. This was the moment the Pac-12 was broken. They were like, when, when BYU, BYU beat us five times, we're done. <laughs> we're, we're done. The conference is going away. Actually, they said, Utah won this twice, we're out. <laughs> These guys? It's a combination of what? supernatural I'm just powers. jealous of a P5 championship. Let's just be honest. Oh. All right, we both agree, three and four. There are three wins remaining on the schedule. Absolutely. We don't know when and where they're going to happen. Yeah, we, we think do. we have an idea of... <laughs> where at least two of them will yeah. happen. Two of these three, Texas Tech, Iowa State, at Oklahoma yes. State. Yes, worst case, realistically speaking, worst case, BYU 6-6. Six and six. Yes. Worst case, realistically speaking. Could total, Spence, 2-5 and five is a possibility here. BYU's got to show up every game. Like, you cannot have a Kansas moment where you have a weird ball, uh, ball bouncing this way. By the, by the way, BYU's best offensive game was in the Kansas game. This team does not need crazy offense to win. The irony there is amazing. It Their is best so... offensive game is the one game they lost. Here's my best, because they were playing from behind the whole time. My best stat for this is BYU's fourth in FBS in fewest yards per point. They, they uh, average 10.5, but it's Florida State, Kentucky, USC, Oklahoma. That is good company to be in. Sure. But number six is Iowa. <laughs> oh Iowa's terrible. What on in offense. the world? You did, like BYU's been inept at times offensively, and then other times they have super short fields, or they're just straight up scoring. Uh, you know, you you get the pick six, you get the uh, Austin Riggs PD fumble recovery at the fifteen. Like that all helps. And BYU in the red zone is sixteen to seventeen. They just they yes. they get it done. They've scored uh, what twelve touchdowns in the red zone. So they they're doing a really nice job there. If BYU goes six and six, they're probably going to Shreveport. So here let's we go a, seven. Let's get another. Here we go with seven. seven. Come on, get to seven. Our, our question of the day: BYU, as we just talked about, has the ninth toughest remaining schedule according to ESPN's Football Power Index. What do you expect BYU's record to be over the final seven games? Both Jeremy and I feel like it's three and four, maybe four and three. Joe Tegardine on X answers: healthy. Four and three. Limping, three and four. Exceed expectations, five and two. Nirvana, six and one or seven and oh. Without a run game, I don't see any way that BYU goes five and two in this, in the last seven. Like BYU would need to go for 200 plus the rest of the season, like per game. They, they would need to do something would that they clearly have not done through the first five. Yes. By the way, this is just in from at NFL Draft Scout, uh, I, uh, Matt Miller. I watched BYU's Kingsley Suamati in person versus Arkansas when asked who's the best athlete among the tackles this year in college football. It's hard to imagine anyone being more explosive violent than he is, but I haven't watched every tackle prospect, of course. But the way that he assesses Kingsley Suamati, that's good news. He thinks Kingsley's top half first-round pick, like top 15 guy. I love it. En enjoy up. Kingsley this year because you may not have him next year. Sony Olive on Instagram yes. answering his expectations for the back seven with Kingsley Suamati in play. BYU gets everyone back healthy by TCU. Five and two finish. Listen, blue goggles attached on that one. Whoa. I, I would love it. The, the season would be nine and three and possibly an awesome bowl game. If you go, it would be an awesome you bowl go game. nine and three, you'll play in a great bowl game. I'm thinking we're thinking anything not in Shreveport just because <laughs> it already happened. Nothing uh, against, uh, you know, the bowl or Shreveport. It's just like. What we don't want is BYU's so used to the playing in the same bowl games. Holiday, holiday, holiday. Vegas, 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 Vegas. We just don't like a repeat bowl game. 
We do not like a repeat bowl game around here. Especially when it's uh, the one following a loss to UAB. Yeah. At the end of that amazing 2021 season you just talked about. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Shreveport, so it, Shreveport is not any, exactly. I think that's the rally cry in the locker room right now. Memory. Anything but Shreveport. Tyler Sanchez on Instagram says, I feel like BYU can get this win at TCU. I think it's possible, After too. It's TCU a hard one. TCU lost yes. to West Virginia. It feels, it feels doable. Like, okay, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. If so, then I think BYU beats Texas Tech, saying if they win at TCU, Iowa State, and yeah. Oklahoma State, 8-4 yeah. and four if healthy. Totally. Oklahoma at home for a homecoming. There's a slight chance BYU wins that and upset the Sooners. If so, then 9-3. and three. Uh, If BYU beats Oklahoma. <laughs> way Oklahoma's playing right now. Oklahoma's good, man. Like, the like BYU, they're back. Like they're back. The BYU defense will be tested significantly in the next few weeks. Yes. Also, what happens between now and November 18th? There's a lot of ball to be played. It's true. Let's see what happens. Yes. Hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and Instagram to join the conversation. Watch Coordinator's Corner. A lot of you did on Monday. And uh, you can check it out on the free BYU TV app, BYUSN.com. Good stuff from offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick and special teams coordinator Kelly Pepin. Up next, star linebacker A.J. Vonkpachan on where BYU's defense has shined the most through five games, where it can improve to get ready for the back seven, and why he feels like the defense is really just getting started. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Hit the Big 12 Roundup music and let's recap what happened in the Big 12 over the weekend. Yes. There it is. Baylor versus uh, UCF. UCF getting 12 and a half. Baylor won 36-35, coming back down 28 to win. We both get the point. This is my super pick. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you. you got eight. Yeah. Ah. It's 35 to 7 with eight minutes to go in the third quarter for UCF. Yeah. What in the world? Super pick. Yay. Can't come got, through. Got lucky there. That might have been the difference here. We'll see. Uh, lucky there. 24th ranked Kansas at number three, Texas. Kansas. 16 and a half point underdog. We didn't know their starting quarterback, Jalen Daniels, was not going to play at all. How come that couldn't happen a week ago? Yeah, wait a minute. Texas wait. don't need that break? Yeah. Well, Texas, not surprisingly, wins big 40 to 14 without Kansas' star in the game. Uh, you got the point, though. You thought Texas would cover that. Okay, I did not. Houston, Texas Tech. Texas Tech getting eight and a half. Tech won big 49 28, so we, neither of us get the point. Red Raiders did have a kickoff return touchdown and a blocked punt school. Houston is not great. Texas Tech hasn't been good, but hey, credit to the Red Raiders. There you go. Iowa State at number 14, Oklahoma. Oklahoma 20-point favorite. We both get the point. That was my super pick. So I get two points there. You get one. Oklahoma dominates 50 to 20. They went 30. West Virginia TCU game of the week in the Big 12. West Virginia pulls off the upset 24-21. Two blocked would-be tying. Unbelievable. Game uh, field goals in the fourth. I get the point in this one. I believed in the Mountaineers. TCU did not score a point in the second half. They were up 21-14 at halftime. Chandler Morris was getting sacked left and right. Shut out in the second half. Yep. Is West Virginia good? Weirdly maybe good? Is TCU beatable? Uh, yeah. Lots of question marks. Yeah, that was that was in forward. Uh, we both took Cincinnati as a one and a half point favorite over BYU, saying that BYU would cover that and win. We took BYU wins 35-27. Both get the point. You win this week. Six to four. Yeah. 
So uh, you're now, up four one now. Now it's four weeks to one week. Now it's an actual competition. <laughs> okay, prop picks. Number one, over under 49 and a half total points. We both had the under. And hey, it was over. First to 24 wins, and it happened. First to 24 won the game. Thanks, Bronco. Yeah. Over under 14 and a half. First half completions for Keaton Slovis. He had 13 in the game. In the game. Yeah, we both got that we one took right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which quarter will BYU score the most points in? It was 14 in the third. You said second. I said fourth. We were wrong. Hey, third quarter. It's not what BYU has done this year. So to their credit, they came out firing in the second half. BYU will, or the BYU defense rather, will have more of A sacks, B takeaways, C force three and outs. Um, I went with force three and outs, but we had the same pick, and so you kept that one. You get the point. I do not get the point there. I said sacks uh, after a little oh, bit of a change, the last minute change. How many was so, it? How many sacks was it? One? One or two. One. I think. Yeah, one sack. Okay. okay, and will the coin toss be heads or tails? <laughs> you had tails, so you get oh, the point. Oh, I worked hard for that, that one. That ends in a tie, 2-2. Two, I, two. I worked hard for that You're one. You're up 2-1 on the season. We've had two weeks worth. We're not keeping track of ties. There's no ties in this con- This. Uh, there's two tests, yeah. So it's two, one, and two? Yeah, but who cares about ties? It's two and one. <laughs> okay. Ties, ties are for losers. All right. Uh, we're going to wrap up today's show and get to at least a few more of your Mailbag Monday questions. So much to discuss. Oh, my gosh. This is BYU Sports Nation. Should we go another hour? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. That is life in the Big 12 right there, B-Low. Welcome back to Studio B, BYU Sports Nation. Dave McCann with Brian Logan. Nobody knows the Big 12 like columnist and podcaster Barry Trammell. Uh, He's now with Sellout Crowd, which is interesting because it's sellout, yet it's free, and he'll explain that. But mostly we want to talk about BYU, the Big 12, and the Cougars 4-in-1 start. Earlier today, I caught up with Barry. Barry, BYU's 4-in-1 with the uh, weekend off. What's your take on the Cougars so far? Well, I've been very pleased with BYU. Going to Fayetteville and winning was a huge win for for the Cougars. Huge win for the Big 12. They haven't had many this year. So going uh, going on the road, beating an SEC team, very, very solid. Now, the Cougars lost at Kansas. Two defensive TDs uh, or non-offensive touchdowns will get you beat most Saturdays, and that did. But I think the Cougars are in pretty good shape for for a good year at 4-1 and and you know the Big Twelve is not treacherous this year, so I think I think the arrow's pointing up on on Brigham Young. Has Keaton Slovis surprised you at quarterback, or has this been kind of what you expected? It's kind of what have I expected. I don't think he's an All American candidate, uh, but I think he's a very good quarterback. I think uh, he's what Brigham Young needs. He can throw it around some. Uh, BYU's you know gotten away uh, in, in in recent times from the from the uh, arid out situation. So I think he's bringing a new element. He, he certainly hurt Cincinnati through the air the other day. So uh, I think he's exactly what BYU needed. Now the Cougars are going to go through this Texas swing with TCU, Texas Tech, and Texas. How do you see uh, October playing out for BYU? Well, the, uh, every, every school except Texas is to, and, and, and West Virginia is to some degree unproven. Uh, we really don't know what, what Tech really is. We don't really know what TCU is. They've been up. They've been down. They're not as good as we thought to this point. 
to me, it's great opportunity for, for BYU. Now, Texas will be very tough to beat, but those other two, you know, if, if you can beat those guys, then you're headed for a special season very high in the Big 12 standings. It's just a, it's a muddled conference. Uh, Oklahoma might be legit, but we don't know. We do know Texas is legit. Texas and Oklahoma playing tomorrow. You'll be there. What, what do you anticipate in that game? Is it a precursor to the eventual Big 12 championship game, or, or how do you see this one? Well, I think Texas is going to be there. Um, you know, like I said, they went to Alabama and won. They've proven themselves. Everybody else, particularly the Sooners, they haven't played. I mean, the, the, Brigham Young's played a much tougher schedule than has Oklahoma. Um, so I think I think BYU's got a uh, – I'm sorry, I think Oklahoma's got a lot to prove, and that starts tomorrow. Now, if they go to the Cotton Bowl and win tomorrow, which they very well could, then all of a sudden this season looks completely different, and they are, they are uh, not just a Big 12 contender but a national contender. Um, if they play tough, that's very and lose. That still is is a good thing for the Sooners' long term future. Um, but if they if they get manhandled by Texas, then all of a sudden they're back among the great unwashed, just trying to uh, move up and down the Big Twelve ladder. You talk about this uh, conferences all over the place, with the exception of Texas. Uh, if if you had to do the Big Twelve preseason poll all over again uh, as a league, even do you think BYU would be at eleven still? Oh no! I thought they were a little underrated then. Thought they belonged in the in the eight nine range, seven eight nine, and I think uh, they probably uh, probably above that. I you know in our in our neck of the woods, Pat Jones, eleven year head coach at Oklahoma State. Uh, he does radio now. He's very impressed with Brigham Young. I, I think he had BYU fourth in his Big Twelve ratings this week. So uh, I think the Cougars have shown themselves that they're they're going to be a force to deal with this year. So. Uh, yeah, the, the BYU at 11, the, that was uh, widely, uh, widely underrated. Now, anytime we can have one of the, what I consider one of the best sports writers in the country on BYU Sports Nation, we, we jump at that. But now you've got a new uh, uh, adventure with Sellout Crowd. Tell us how that came to be and, and what you're doing. Yeah, I just I left newspapers about six weeks ago after 45 years. And what happened was uh, some people came to me with this endeavor called selloutcrowd.com. We're doing much of the same things we've always done, more podcasting, but the same amount of writing, uh, local investors, a lot of local talent. Bob Stoops has come to, come on with us and getting uh, gangbuster guests every week. So um, the best thing about it, it's a free. It's pay, no paywall. People in Utah can go to it, check out our Big 12 coverage. Um, we've got great sponsors and, and advertisers, so fully funded uh, without without having people to subscribe, you know, we're, there's paywall fatigue in America. So come to selloutcrowd.com and uh, you won't you won't run into any of that. <laughs> there is payout fatigue uh, in America. When are you coming to Provo? The Sooners will be here in November. Are you coming out? I am coming. I'm coming. Uh, yeah, the day before. I think that's the 18th. So I'll be there the morning of the 17th. Looking really forward to it. I've uh, enjoyed my trip to Utah last year and. Can't wait to see a game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. All right, the morning of the 17th of November, we're going to book you here for BYU Sports Nation. I know you have a speaking engagement here in a moment. Thank you for your time. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and we'll see you next month. Hey, thanks, guys. Barry Trammell, does he not look like the most relaxed guy in America? Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he reminds me of the Back to the Future guy. 
<laughs> I've just seen that movie, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we all know who you're talking about. Is it scientist, is that his name? Yeah. Is that his name? I don't know. I don't know. But I, that's what he looks like. I think uh, one thing Barry is, is one, he's an outside voice, right? So what he says about BYU, a lot of folks outside of Utah are thinking, or at least outside of Cougar Nation, the goggles are off with him, and he really yeah. likes BYU. Yeah. And, uh, and again, TCU, Texas Tech, with the road to what he calls a very special season. We'll yeah. See what happens. I like how he said that um, only two teams are, are proven. That, that was pretty pretty interesting take. Yeah. So um, more teams will be proven here in a bit <laughs> as they win and lose. Uh, check out the latest Deep Blue podcast with Jason Shepard, volleyball star Trent Moser talks about playing for Team USA and his intriguing game day rituals. Check out the episode on the BYU Radio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Show rolls on after the break. We'll take a look at the big weekend ahead for Puka Nakua, Zach Wilson, and the Cougars in the NFL. This is BYU Sports Nation. Now our rise and shout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Take a look at this. It's been well documented that BYU quarterback Jake Retzloff is Jewish. This past week has been the Jewish holiday Sukkot, and the BYU football team wanted to celebrate with him. So Jake's rabbi, Rabbi Zippel, helped get a kosher food truck to football practice, and they had a celebration with the entire team. Nice. It's one giant family over there, and, and here's more evidence of that as they as they participate in uh, uh, the Jewish holiday Sukkot with their backup quarterback. That's, that's pretty cool. How about cool. that? That's pretty cool. You know, uh, BYU in, in you know, recent years has always said, you know, we all belong. That's all races, all religions. I think this is a good example of that. So shout out to them for that. Our thanks today to our guest, Barry Trammell, who will be at the Oklahoma-Texas game tomorrow. Scout it out for us. That's right. Uh, the conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This is and um, where all you can find all the shows on demand on BYUSN.com. For Brian, I'm Dave. A shout out to Cameron Martin, a BYU alum, being inaugurated this morning as the second president of Rocky Mountain University of Health Professions. Nice. Another cougar doing good in the world. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the bye week. And we'll see you Monday and start the process of getting ready for BYU and TCU. This is BYU Sports Nation. See you next time. Hi, Dennis. I love you. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. BYUSN, is BYU football a top five team in the Big 12 Conference? And is the Cougar defense much improved this year? What about Keaton Slovis? Is he a top 25 quarterback in college football? We'll tell you about these overreactions, or are they? And former BYU wide receiver Ross Oppo joins us to discuss Puka Nakua's success in the NFL and break down the BYU wide receivers so far this season. Plus, should the Big 12 really consider adding two more conference games to the basketball schedule next season? What? An Olympian and head coach of the number three ranked BYU men's cross country team at Ice Stones live in Studio B, and all Ed does is win. Amen to that. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, October 4th. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who has marked his calendar for the next seven consecutive weeks of a football game each and every night, Dave McCann. This is a special day. This is football's answer to the Cubs not being in the playoffs. <laughs> 49 straight days 
of football. Tonight through November 22nd, yep. there's a football game every night. That doesn't count all the high school stuff in everyone's uh, various states. This is just what you can find on television. That's unbelievable. It's glorious. Yes. You know, thank the Mac and everyone else willing to play on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then everyone else Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, I know that Tuesday night has typically been Maction yeah. uh, with the, uh, the Mid-American Conference, but who, who chimed in and said, we'll play on Wednesdays? Like, who, who's doing this? That's, <laughs> it feels like a terrible time to play a football game is midweek. Some, something tells me we'll see Coastal Carolina. Yeah, on a it's Wednesday. Conference USA, by the way, yeah. but... Yeah, I, I can't believe these conferences. I guess they want the spotlight, right? It's TV. They want it's the spotlight. TV. And anymore in today's world with the transfer portal and NILs, the smaller schools just disappear on Saturday. So you got to find it. You got to find a Tuesday, a Wednesday for anyone to actually pay attention. Yeah. Uh, and then you know Saturday it's Texas, Oklahoma. That's where everybody is. Yes. Uh, so you got to find a spot. The NFL's taken up you know Sunday and Sunday night and Monday night. And Thursday for uh, and, that matter. And Thursday for that matter. So you just gotta you gotta try to survive. So that's what they're doing. As a viewer, it's great. I hope everyone survives and hope we get football for we're gonna get it for 49 straight yes. days. Can't wait to watch Akron in Miami or Ohio <laughs> on Tuesday night. Sadly, <laughs> it'll probably be on at the house. All rise and shout. <laughs> Let's get to what's trending. Presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Well, 49 consecutive days of football, but BYU won't play another game for roughly 10 days until they head to TCU. We have a little bit of time to assess the Cougars' first five games, where they are this season, what they've done well, what they haven't done well, and then, frankly, discuss some things that we believe might be overreactions. We love to overreact. Four and one has a lot of people feeling good and naturally yeah. overreacting to the start of the season. Sure. So we're going to present a few statements and then ask straight up, is this an overreaction beginning with something that not, you know, was said in here necessarily in Studio B, but by the athletic, okay? Number 38 team in the 133 team rankings, according to the athletic, is BYU through week five. That would be good for fifth out of the Big 12 teams, Dave. Fifth out of the 14 current Big 12 teams. So is BYU being a top five team in the Big 12 right now? They're top five. Is that an overreaction? It's close to being an overreaction. But I think the athletic and folks like the fact that BYU went on the road in the SEC and won and held off Cincinnati uh, and, and played Kansas close on the road when Kansas was at full power, which they were not, against Texas uh, last Saturday. And so then I think they've got them up there. They've seen TCU struggle and some of the Big 12 teams like Oklahoma State. No one even knows what's going on with them. Man. So then all of a sudden, picked 11th by the Big 12 media to start the season, up to five here at 4-1 and one with a chance to prove it uh, next Saturday against TCU. Yeah, why not? Okay, so you, you feel like that? is fair. I think you can make a case for five, six, seven. Okay. Once you get up to four, you got to go, now wait a second, you've got to yeah. beat TCU, you got to beat Texas Tech, and now all of a sudden you're in that group. 
I've been just, and this is something that I've done, like an activity for myself, whatever. This is what we do in our offices, right? We think like, okay, okay, five weeks in, how would I rank all 14 teams yeah. in the Big 12? I saw your power rankings yeah. the other day. I put out a list uh, during the bye week because, again, there's extra time now. I have BYU at number seven, so not far off of number five. I have the Cougars just behind TCU, and maybe it's because even though TCU is – coming off of a loss to West Virginia at home and they lost to Colorado, I feel like the Horned Frogs are still a really good football team. And they're still the team that had a bunch of guys that played the college football playoff last year yeah. and got to the national championship game. Got blown out and said national championship, but still beat Michigan to get there. Different quarterback, they lost some NFL ten- I, I Just It's hard for me to be like, Yes, BYU is better than TC yeah. right now. And BYU needs to beat a legit Big 12 team. And they have an opportunity at TCU on October 14th to go out and prove that. And so, maybe that's five or six right there. Absolutely. You know, if BYU beats TCU on the road, I'm ready to go there mentally and say, okay, BYU is a top five team in the Big 12 For right sure. now. Yes. For sure. And if I they think win America there, will too. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yes. In fact, I think BYU might be a top 25 team. They're not receiving any votes right now at four and one, but if you win at TCU and you're two and one in the conference, and now you're five and one, then the receiving votes will start to happen. Maybe BYU is flirting with the top 25 at that point, and in my opinion, now it's absolutely not an overreaction that they are a top five team, but it's going to take a legit road win yeah. in conference like that. And it seems to me that you've got Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas State. They're still the big three. Yes. Um, but what we considered three through maybe eight, we thought would be a lot stronger in August. It's a free-for-all once you get past Kansas State. I mean, right there at number four would be West Virginia, and they were picked last. Um, so the, the shuffling, of, I mean, when Oklahoma State gets beat 33-7 to seven at yeah. home to South Alabama, you're like, okay, BYU finishes in Stillwater. Sure. Uh, unless Oklahoma State has this massive transformation that's a winnable game you know and then all of a sudden you start looking at some other ones tcu just got beat by west virginia in fort worth yeah are they colorado put up a ton of points on them is that a winnable game it absolutely is now whereas in august we might have gone okay let's see you got to get one of this and get get two of that how do we get to six maybe seven we're up to eight on this show uh and you know what eight's still very much in play after going Four and one. one. Absolutely. So it can't be an overreaction. But I think um, after the TCU game, we'll have some clarification yes. on our reaction. You know who already won at TCU in conference? West Virginia. They yeah. just did it. And that's why I have West Virginia number five. So for the record, I have Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Kansas. BYU lost to Kansas. Right. You got to Lawrence. There. Yeah. Okay, I know Kansas just lost to Texas, but they weren't at full power. They didn't have their star quarterback. West Virginia number five. And then TCU 6, BYU 7. But if BYU wins in Fort Worth, then, yeah, they're right there with West Virginia at number 5 as a top 5 team. So maybe a little bit right now of an overreaction, but not far off. Yeah. And an opportunity to make it reality in about 10 days. Are you ready for the next Let's reaction? Go. Let's do it. BYU's defense is much improved this year from last year. Is this an overreaction? No! It is not an overreaction. And I know we showed numbers on the program yesterday. In fact, we're going to bring them up again here. And it, it, we look at the statistics here, and it's like, well, the defense was essentially doing the exact same thing through five games last year yeah. as BYU has done this year. But can we qualify the quality of wins that BYU has had this year in a different way than what BYU faced last year? BYU's best win last year through five games was a home win against... 
what turned out to be a pretty mediocre Baylor team. Right. It was big in the moment. They were ninth, but they didn't finish ninth. No, they were very mediocre. And Utah State and Wyoming and BYU didn't look very good in those home games. This year, BYU has a road SEC win against Arkansas, and they just beat what we think is a pretty talented Cincinnati team uh, on Friday night. Couple those with a, an okay performance at Kansas outside of giving up two defensive touchdowns, but that's not on the defense, Dave. Right. People are like, oh, 38 points. No, defense didn't give up two defensive touchdowns. That's just mistakes, unfortunate mistakes by the offense. So while the numbers are, are, are similar here, I feel like you, there's an eye test element. Is there not? Do you not feel like they're getting more pressure? They're getting to the quarterback. They're creating more havoc. They have created more turnovers in the first five games than they did last year. And that, to me, has won BYU a couple of games, specifically against Arkansas and Cincinnati. Here's how I see it. And I, I asked A.J. Von Pichon on the show yesterday this, this question because uh, we went through the numbers, and he wasn't here last year, but this is what we're comparing to. And there were 19 quarterback hurries last season. The whole season, 19 times we made the quarterback hurry, right? This year there's 16. Yeah, already. Five games. Already. So, so whether we're sacking the quarterback, uh, forcing turnovers, whatever we're doing, we're getting the quarterback to, to run yes. and have to improvise. There's more chaos. More chaos, and mistakes happen in the chaos. And so in that aspect, this defense is... Uh, way ahead of, of last year's defense. And the other thing I think about is, is through independence, through the first five games, you know, whether or not BYU held its own or not, they were in shambles health-wise for the most part going into game six. That's not the case here. We actually have a bye week where guys are getting healthy and coming back. Ben yeah. Bywater expected back. Yeah. Talon Alfrey expected back. Um, and, and the defense is doing this now, and they're getting reinforcements. That tells me this group is so much far ahead of last year's group, yeah. even though, as you mentioned, those numbers appear the same. They're going in a different direction uh, heading into a bye week. And I want to just look at what happened in October of 2022. Okay, we showed you through the first five games last year. October is where things absolutely fell apart for BYU. Well, it's Halloween ago. month. 37 points a game scoring defense. I mean, BYU got run by Arkansas at home. Yeah. They got absolutely embarrassed by Liberty in Lynchburg, Virginia. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was rough. It was a Dame. rough go. Notre Dame. Didn't get off the field. No, the defense could not get off the field. So BYU, we anticipate, even though the competition level will go up in October, you're playing at TCU, you're hosting Texas Tech, and then you got to go to Austin and play number three Texas. And maybe, maybe they'll be number one by then. They could be. Yeah. But I still expect the defense to perform at a better level than we saw in October of last year. Yeah. Because to your point, they'll, they should be more healthy. And they're trending that way. They should, not... they should have more bodies and experience available. Yeah. The peak wasn't week two. The, the peak, maybe, maybe the peak is coming. Against Cincinnati, uh, they held their own when yeah. the offense couldn't do anything in the first half. And yet somehow the Bearcats had 10 points at halftime. Credit the defense. Um, their quarterback ran around, didn't score touchdowns. You know, two miraculous touchdown catches from Cincinnati got them in the end zone after BYU jumped out 28-13. But, um, yeah, I just like the way they're trending and they're getting healthy. And the edge rushers, they're getting pressure. Sometimes they rush three and get pressure. Yeah. Look what they did to Arkansas's offensive line. Arkansas's not great, but it's a great test for BYU. And with four guys, they got pressure on the quarterback and caused chaos, caused them to hurry. Last year, we couldn't get pressure at all. 
And, uh, and that was half the problem. So Jay Hill's aggressive style, he sat right over there the day yeah. he was hired, and he told you, we're going to blitz on every play. And right. then he said, well, maybe we won't, yes. but we might. And they almost do. Well, maybe I should be a little bit fair here, because when we're showing the compare and contrast, BYU's only giving up 21 points a game through five games this year. They were 26.4 last year. Five points is huge. Yeah. Five points is a massive number. So that is, that is a, a significant difference in a per-game points-given-up average. 21. And, again, you take away the 14 points that were just given away by the BYU offense there, now Jay Hill's defense is holding opponents to under 20 a game. October's a perfect trick-or-treat month. We knock on the door, we're going to treat, we're going to get a trick, and at the end of the month, we'll know exactly where yes. this defense is. Yeah. So, no, it is not an overreaction. The defense is much improved from last year for sure, and we anticipate that trend will continue. Uh, side note, you brought up Talon Alfrey and Ben Bywater. Ben's questionable for the 14th. Talon, I'm learning from um, his family and, and some people in the Alfrey camp that he's, he's circling – later October. So I don't think we'll see him back for TCU, but your point still but remains about they are going to be back yeah. by late by late October, hopefully by that game in Austin at the latest. Yeah, we're going to need both those guys and okay. maybe 20 others. BYU's going to need Keaton Slovis to play well for sure, Dave. It, and right now, you know, according to certain award metrics, if you will, Keaton has been slated as an early guy as one of the top 25 quarterbacks in the country right now. Would you consider Keaton Slovis a top 25 college football quarterback right now? Is that an overreaction? I think it might be if you're just going on the numbers. If you're on the East Coast and you open up the book and you go, what, where's all the quarterbacks? Who's thrown the most? Who's done the, who scored the most points? You, Slovis might not be on that list. But if you're looking for who's managed the games the best as a quarterback um, and 10 touchdowns and three interceptions. Two of those interceptions were tip balls. Um, I think, uh, think you got to put him there. And I, what I'm impressed with Slovis is when he's had to, uh, he makes NFL throws and, and he makes them in clutch time. He wiggles out of pressure. And that bomb to Roberts could have easily been a sack. Oh, man. Uh, the, the touchdown in the corner to Roberts against Arkansas. Was, uh, was made available by them just doing enough as they march down the field so play action works. I just like how he's managed the game. Keaton's got a different situation than, than a lot of quarterbacks in the country in that he inherited a, a new offense as the new guy in the, in the transfer portal. Um, and he's got, well, he doesn't have the guys he thought he was going to have with Hill and Epps because they've been slow coming back and Epps hasn't been back sure. much at all. Uh, and so he's, he's also had to bring along newcomers, Lassiter and, and Marion. The running game, he loses his big running back in the first game uh, to an injury, and so now he's working a freshman. And he's doing all this, and he's 4-1. and one. Yeah, there and, are a lot of moving so, parts there. You know there. what? That's my quarterback. I'm happy with Keaton Slovitz. He's been as, as good as advertised for what Kalani Sataki wanted was someone to lead them to an area where they've never been, where he has been. And life in the, in the power fives. How many guys are? How many guys do you trust as much as Keaton Slovis out there? Ask yourself that, BYU fans. Are there, you know, fifty guys in the country that you trust more than Keaton Slovis? Just as a straight-up quarterback, where if he came in in April and you're like, "Hey, this is here's your quarterback. He's the guy that's going to run your offense. You got to teach him. You got to get him acclimated." Are there fifty more guys in the country that you would trust more than? essentially a 50-year senior who has 
at one point in his life been the Pac-12 freshman of the year and has been in a lot of different offenses, has gone through a lot of ups and downs, but he has matured, he has polished. So to me, like there is great value in the experience and the maturity that he brings to BYU. Hey, Jaron Hall had a separated shoulder this time last year. Slovis is healthy in the pocket and staying alive. And that's what BYU's that, got That matters. So statistically, no, he's not a top 25 quarterback in the country right now. Like strictly like yards, completions, completion percentage, touchdowns. No. But with maturity and experience and what he's faced, you have to wait what all these quarterbacks have actually played against too. Yeah. Keen's been in some tough games, some tough situations, and he's winning more often than not. To me, the whole package, he is he belongs in that conversation. Yeah. And we'll have this conversation in November to see what he did in October. And he's either elevated himself to NFL capability yeah. after TCU, Texas Tech, and Texas, um, or or uh, or not, and and that's the beauty of the game. The one thing, the one thing that gl- that's glaring against him is probably his completion percentage. It's under sixty percent. If he can push that up around sixty-five or sixty-six, now we're really talking, and I think that'll happen with becoming more comfortable in the offense. He's thrown some balls. That yes, are, like, spectacular. Bread basket. Yeah. Our question of the day. What is your biggest overreaction about BYU football through five games? We just listed three asking each other, BYU top five team in the Big 12. Is the defense much improved from last year? And is Keaton Slovis a top 25 quarterback? Maybe one of those is your overreaction. At Thomas Westover answers on X. His biggest overreaction, BYU is going to finish fourth in the Big 12. If they do that day, they're going to the Alamo Bowl making some nice money for the school and the conference and playing a big-time opponent in a bowl game. Yeah. If they finish fourth, that, that means at worst, in my opinion, they win, they win eight games. At worst. They probably got to win nine, maybe, to finish fourth in the conference. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Take Douglas Porter on Facebook. BYU should be 5-0. and Not sure if that's overreacting. <laughs> you can make an argument that you protect the football, you're, you're undefeated. But you don't protect the football and you're four and one. Yeah. Fortunately, you protected the football in the other four games. This is tough because BYU had some things absolutely go their way and bounce their way at Arkansas. Yeah. And against Cincinnati, even. Like there were some breaks that BYU caught. They did not catch some of those breaks at Kansas. So I feel like four and one's pretty fair given how they've played. Right? Like, yes, it's tough because you're like, oh, they should be five and oh. Man, they caught some breaks in some other games that they won. Got to have them. Got to have breaks. Right? Zach they, needed a break Sunday night on that snap. Yes. And then all of a sudden, everything's different. BYU could be 5-0. I, I'm not ready to say they should be 5-0, given what we've seen. Like, all right. Weigh in on the hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll have some more of your colorful uh, overreactions here on the show. <laughs> hey, after further review was lit last night, we broke down the Cincinnati game, took an early look at TCU. The show's always on demand. You can watch it anytime on the free BYU TV app. Up next, Dave McCann goes one-on-one with former BYU wide receiver Ross Oppo to discuss the emergence of Puka Nakua, Manny has worked significantly with, and what does he think of the BYU wide receiver squad thus far? This is BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside the fabulous Dave McCann. How about those highlights from Ross Sapo? It's a yeah. fun walk down memory lane. Good to see. Ross knows receivers, and he knows how to beat Texas, and that's coming up later <laughs> in the month for the Cougars. He also has the beat on Puka Nakua, and earlier this morning, I caught up with Ross as Nakua continues to make waves in the NFL. Ross, let's start with the story of the NFL that does not have anything to do with Taylor Swift. It has everything to do with Puka Nakua tearing it up with the Rams. What do you think of his start? Oh, man, his his start, like, you can't compare it to anything because he's pretty much just blown all the, re the records out of the water and he's uh, starting to set his own history. Um, I think it's awesome if, you know, if you've seen the way Puka, you know, prepares – um, through practice, if you've seen the obviously we've seen the way he plays, um, he, he, that guy's like 100 miles an hour, um, and it, it, it's full speed, it's under control. I know those are two opposites, um, and he he doesn't really make mistakes. And so, uh, like I was telling Ben the other day, it's like the NFL's having to adjust to his speed, and he's not having to adjust to the NFL speed. And you know, it's been it's been awesome to see. But it's like, like, like I said, if you watch the way that he practices, um, you you would see why. Um, and, and the way the the stuff that you see him do in the games is exactly what he does in practice. And you know these things aren't they're not by accident. Um, he's prepared for those moments, and um, you know when when you've prepared for those moments, there's never a moment that's too big. And uh, it, it's been awesome to see him break records and and continue to make his own history at the same time. Now, you teach receivers, so I'm going to ask you about that in a moment. But let's say you're the Rams' offensive coordinator and Cooper Cup's coming back. So how do you keep Puka in the mix? Oh, man. <laughs> Put those guys on the same side and, and, and break them off, you know, they're, um, onto their different routes. Um, you know, Puka can keep doing the same thing he's doing. Um, you know, I, I feel like with Matthew Stafford, he, he's going to know what to do with those two guys. Um, if I'm the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, I just keep sending Puka underneath, um, get uh, get Cooper Cup over the top, um, and then they also have you know a, a really good receiver Tutu Atwell, um, Van Jefferson also, and it's just like the offense is going to open up more for for all three of those guys. But you know, I, I don't think you know Puka's role changes where they got to put him you know in different you know a different spot or have him run completely different routes. I think. You know, just just keep crossing him over the field, and um, you know he's going to do his thing, take defenders with him. If not, he's going to be open. Um, you know, and they bring Cooper Cup in and, and let him do what he's doing. I think it's just another weapon. Um, I don't see this as a bad thing for Puka at all. Well, I love to hear that because Puka's on my fantasy team, so that's uh, that's going to be a key development <laughs> when when Cup comes back. We've been talking about overreactions on the show today. Puka winning the national uh, or the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year is that a is, would that be an overreaction? No, not at all. Um, I think I just seen RG3 last night he, or this morning, one of the two, he posted um, that he has him in his top five for um, MVPs of the NFL. And it's like, um, I, I tweeted the other day, when, when do we start the Pro Bowl votes? And it's just like the way that he's balling right now is um, that, that, kind of, uh, that kind of says it all for him. Um, I don't think that's an overreaction at all, honestly. Let's bring this back to Provo. Is Chase Roberts the next Puka Nakua? Well, he's sure playing like it <laughs> in this last game. You know, I, we, the ball that came across the middle, I think in the in the third uh, third or fourth quarter, 
um, not across the middle, uh, across the left hash. And, you know, Chase comes and catches it and outruns the defense. Um, you know, though those are plays that reminded us of Puka. Um, it, it's going to take a lot <laughs> to to play at that level. But, you know, Chase, Chase has stepped it up and, and showed that uh, he, he's the top receiver on this team for a reason. Yeah, and just a sophomore. A uh, number of guys still waiting for Cody Epps to come back. Keanu Hill has uh, gotten healthy. He's starting to get more. There's Darius Lassiter and Keelan Marion. What do you think about this receiver group as a whole? I think the receiver group is solid. Um, you know, those guys, when they when they get the ball to, thrown to them, they, they make these plays happen. And it's only gotten better and better as the games have went on. Um, and, and I can only imagine it's going to continue to get better, even with the, the schedule becoming a little bit stronger. Um, in, in an offense, the, the chemistry, the trust is, is huge. And it's like this was the first time they all got to go, get on the field at the same time with Slovis. So, um, you know, they, they've had some games to, to kind of get that chemistry going, right, get everything gelling. Um, it's just going to continue to get better and better. And the guys, as long as, you know, as long as they stay engaged, um, and just know when the ball comes to me, just got to make a play. Nothing more, nothing less. Ross Oppo with us on BYU Sports Nation here in the bye week. Cougars are 4-1. and one. The schedule's about to get a little tougher. What do you anticipate the rest of the way? Um, I, I think they'll get three more wins, um, and, and I think that that's awesome. Um, you know, finishing the season 7-5, seven and, seven and five, that's awesome. Um, if they could, you know, squeak out an extra win and, and take it eight and four, that'll be even better. Um, because I think four and one at this point um, exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Um, but, you know, BYU, they, it, it's funny, BYU always does it in this fashion where, you know, they're, they're winning games that we're like, oh, I didn't know we were going to win that game. And, you know, close games are, you know, the ones that we're like, oh, we should have we should have won that. Um, but I think as long as teams keep looking past BYU, um, they're going to surprise them, and and seven and five, eight and four. Um, that 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 seems like a, that'd be a good finish for those guys. As an athlete from Texas, grew up in Arlington, uh, with TCU, Texas Tech, and Texas, the slate here in October. Uh, what are we going to know about this football team after this uh, Texas three-step, so to speak? Um, you're you're definitely going to see uh, the greediness of these guys. Uh, that that's just tough having to go in and, and play, you know, three Texas teams. Um, it, the, the guys in Texas and Keanu will also tell you they're, they're just like born and bred to play football. Um, you know, for them, you know, for, for, for us, right. Sundays, you know, church day, uh, for those guys, Sundays, like their recovery, you know, kind of get back into it. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is football again. And so, um, you know, as, as BYU makes it through the schedule, I think it's going to show a lot of toughness, a lot of grit, um, and they're going to show that they belong in the Big 12. There are a lot of different joys in life. Well, you were on the field when BYU blew out Texas down the street here at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. How often do you think about the magnitude of that night? Um, man, I, I still have people that send me videos <laughs> uh, of the games and, and look at the score. And, and so... I have to think about it a lot um, because I get it sent to me. And I, I think those those wins were, were just awesome. Um, you know, obviously, I'll never forget the the teammates that I played with um, in those big moments. But, yeah, the, the those those type of wins are, are the type of wins that, um, you know, attract the recruits to come to BYU. Um, those type of wins are, are the wins that show 
you know, teams like this current team that they can, you know, they can beat these guys. They're not unbeatable. Um, you just got to go out, you know, play, play BYU ball, just play as hard as you can um, and, and, and just keep fighting. Mentioned a moment ago, you're teaching receivers. Tell us what you're up to and, and how folks can, uh, can get with you and participate that way. Um, so they could reach out through me, um, to me through rossoppo.com or through Instagram or sorry, not Instagram, uh, through Twitter. Um, they can shoot me a DM Ross Oppo W R underscore E Z. Um, and they can just shoot me a message from there. Um, and I can get them started with an assessment. Um, currently I I'm still working with guys in season. Um, but this is the, this is my favorite time because now I get to watch, you know, everybody's hard work that they put in through the summer. Um, through the winter, uh, starts to pay off in season. One of our favorite BYU Texans, Ross Apo on Sports Nation. Thanks, Ross. Yeah, thank you for having me. Here's the thing about Ross Apo. He doesn't age. That <laughs> face is the same face he had when he was here catching passes at, at BYU. But I love his insights. Yes, and I love that he's still so involved with so many guys that yeah. play football at BYU, have played football at BYU. Really cool to see that story arc that he has and, and now he's training guys that are helping BYU on the field. We got a pair of sevens at Southfield tomorrow night in a big soccer game. Huge. Seventh ranked BYU, seventh ranked Texas Tech. Yeah, they're tied in the coaches poll. Red Raiders are holding down first place at the moment in the Big 12. You can watch the match live at 7 Eastern on ESPN Plus with our BYU TV crew providing the production. Local time, that's a 7 p.m. start, so that's 7 7 Seven. <laughs> and BYU just scored seven goals at Iowa State. Is that State. enough lucky sevens for everyone? Holy smokes. Up next, do we like the idea of BYU basketball playing even more Big 12 conference games? 20 conference games in the toughest conference in America? This is BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Lock going on, number seven, BYU women's soccer hosting number seven, Texas Tech at Southfield tonight in front of a sellout. Both teams undefeated in the Big 12. Texas Tech, by the way, hasn't lost a regular season game since last September 25th. That's crazy. That's 12 wins in their last 12 Big 12 games. It can all end tonight. You can watch it at nine Eastern. Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. Lauren Gustin was named to the preseason All-Big 12 team as an honorable mention yesterday. Congratulations to Lauren. Gustin was a co-WCC Defensive Player of the Year last year, led the NCAA averaging 16.7 rebounds per game, and was second in the country in double-doubles with 27 last season. In case you were wondering, Shaley Gonzalez, who's now at Texas, also an honorable mention. How about that uh, first team all WCC superhero? Go to the Big 12, you get honorable mention. I, I thought she was gonna get more than honorable mention. It's gonna be a fun season yes, for Lauren is. Gustin. Men's and women's cross country holding steady in the national poll. Number three for the men, number six for the women. Both teams in action next weekend. We had Ed Eyestone on the show yesterday. They're ready to, they just win. That's, That's what all they do. they do. They're ready to go. Taking that Nike slogan, just win, you know? <laughs> there you go. Bobo Huang and Emily Astle of women's tennis both participated in the ITA All-American Championships in North Carolina yesterday. Huang dropped her match in the main singles draw and the duo of Huang and Astle dropped their match in the main doubles draw. 
Mickey Strauss, I don't know if related to Levi or not down the line, but uh, named Big 12 Diver of the Week. Jordan Tiffany named Newcomer of the Week for Swim and Dive for their performances at the Intermountain Shootout last week. And BYU Athletics and Big 12 Conference announced yesterday that they'll be holding a women's empowerment event during BYU's homecoming week on Thursday, October 19th from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. on the Marriott Center floor. You can get more information, get all the details on the event by going to BYUcougars.com. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Linebacker Ben Bywater telling local media here this week, quote, I'm feeling much better. Much, much better. Three Just matches. busted like up it. my shoulder during the Kansas game. It's my good shoulder, my right one, so obviously that's unfortunate. I'm doing a lot of rehab, getting it back, and I'll be out there against TCU, close quote. How big would it be to get Bywater back for the Horn Frogs? It would be huge, and look, BYU needs to have its full complement of players to achieve the goals that it wants in this first year. So having a guy like Ben Bywater, who has been so steady on defense, and let's be honest, he's gonna be playing on Sundays whenever he chooses to make that jump. To have that guy back in the lineup is massive. Leading tackler of the last two seasons. And you're right, he needs his leadership. He was missed against Cincinnati. Max Tooley stepped up with 16. Uh, and A.J. Bangkachang and, and Harrison Taggart, they uh, each had 10. Uh, but when you throw Bywater in there, you're just better. Yep. And uh, so we'll, we'll hope, we'll keep you posted on that. Okay, BYU is second worst in the FBS in average yards needed on third down this season at 8.6 yards. That's tied with New Mexico and Charlotte. Is this the BYU offense's biggest issue right now? It's the number one issue. When you throw on first down, and then everyone knows you're gonna run on second down, that's our trend, and then you get less than two yards on second down, which is what our average is, that's why you end up with third and eight. Yeah. Over and over and over again. First down production, whether you're throwing it or running it, it's gotta be better than it is. And then it allows you with a second down option that's not second and 10, uh, and then that improves your third down option yeah. if it's third and three. I'm not an offensive coordinator. I'm not an offensive genius. Uh, Aaron Roderick is very good at what he does. But there are trends that we see. And we always run on second down and 10. We know it, the defense knows it. And then it's third down and 10. So you gotta get a better first down. You gotta run the football a little bit, yeah. much better. Yeah. But you gotta have a better production on first down to take the edge off second down and eliminate third and long. Yeah. That's the key. So I, I, we're, we're, we're kind of on the same page with this. I think this is a byproduct of the big issue and it's the lack of the running game. And for what you were talking about, look, however you're picking up the yards, being able to get yardage on first down so that you can open up the playbook a little bit more on second and third and you're not in these third and long situations is big. But I, I think the, ability, the inability to run the ball has put so much pressure on the passing game that the defense knows that you're gonna pass. So that, that just takes that away a little bit. So for me, this is a byproduct of not being able to run the ball. And for me, not running the ball is the biggest offensive issue. Puka Nakua has more receiving yards through four games than the following teams combined in their receiving rooms. The Falcons, the Giants, the Patriots, and the Ravens. Does that say more about Puka, or does it say more about the Falcons, Giants, Patriots, and Ravens? Um, probably says more about those other teams that they don't have anybody, but that doesn't take anything away from what Puka's done. Remember, fifth round pick, the last pick of the fifth round. 
and has come in. This is why we talked about it last year with Tyler Algier. Yes, everybody wants to be this high draft pick and because not only is there status with that, but there's also a financial gain by being picked as high as you possibly can. But if for longevity, it's all about where you go and the situation you go to and Puka could not have gone to a better situation and he deserves every accolade that's coming his way so far. Think of Puka's situation and Zach Wilson's situation. And Jaron Hall's situation, who we haven't seen since the preseason, because he's just standing there learning how to play as a rookie behind the quarterback. Zach was thrown out there in his situation, and it's been rough sledding ever since. Yeah. Puka over there in California, he's living the dream. All right, we talked about the big matchup. The two number seven teams in women's soccer uh, is a win tonight, the only path for BYU women's soccer to win a Big 12 title. It's not the only path because you're in a conference now and there's a lot of paths. Yep. Uh, these kind of games used to be the early season game or a game we wouldn't see until the postseason. A team like Texas Tech, ranked number seven, but we get them here in October. Yep. That's the life in the Big 12 and the great opportunity is to defend your home field, which has been interesting in the Big 12 because the Cougars haven't lost on their home field and they haven't won on their home field. They've tied twice yeah. on their home field. Can they break through? I think there's a lot of pressure. The place is packed and that's good for the home team, but sometimes it's also a, a cause of anxiety on yeah. the home team. They all came to see you dominate. And when the other teams play in four corners, like TCU and Cincinnati have just, we just want to run the clock out and get out of yeah, here. Yeah, they, they packed everybody in. Yes, I, I'm with you. It's not the only way, but it would certainly go a long way. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're the team that's atop the standings in the Big 12. We know how good BYU is at home, and I know how important it is for them to get that win in conference at home. They've not liked the fact that they've had the two draws. This is gonna be a fun one tonight. Make sure you're checking it out. Another plug. And let this, on, yeah, let this Big 12 now. historic one. Yes. The first win yes. against the Big 12 team, which the football team is still relishing from last Friday. Absolutely, and speaking of tonight's big soccer game between not one, but two seventh ranked teams, Leveni Vaca of BYU Women's Soccer will preview the matchup between BYU and Texas Tech right after the break. She's in Studio B. We will talk with Lava next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day. Um, all platforms, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Back live in Studio B, Dave McCann, Brian Logan. Should we do some headlines? Um, yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. BYU defensive back Jacob Robinson was named Thursday as the Jim Thorpe Award National Defensive Back of the Week after recording six tackles, he had a pass breakup, and he had a pick six against Cincinnati last week. Robinson is one of five players in the country with three interceptions and one return for a touchdown. Orm Tiger right there celebrating the end zone. Let's look at the Cougars in the NFL. Congrats to Puka Nakua, second time this season. NFL Rookie of the Week, Rams and Eagles on Sunday. That's going to be an interesting game. That's a tough defense for him. Zach Wilson going to try to build off his performance last Sunday against the Chiefs. The Jets are out west. They take on the Broncos. Needs to win that game. Yeah. Fred Warner, 49ers, hosting the Cowboys Sunday night in the big test for 
Fred and his defense. And Tyler Algier and the Falcons playing the Texans. Uh, and then Taysom Hill and Daniel Swanson and the Saints play the Patriots. Andy Reid um, and the Chiefs play Jaron Hall, Kyrie Tonga, and the Vikings. Kyle Van Noy, good to see him back. Oh, yeah. Um, and the Ravens, they play the Steelers. Chris Brooks still doing his thing with the Dolphins. And they'll play against the Giants. And then Blake Freeland and the Colts will play the Titans. Big game last night at Southfield. Number seven, BYU. Number seven, Texas Tech. They tied in the polls. They tied last night. Jamie Shepard and Lee Wahlberg scored goals in a 2-2 tie. Exciting. Here's what they looked and sounded like. With Mozingo putting boot to ball. And a tap at the far post and in. And the Cougs have opened the scoring. A tap into the 18, across the top of the six, and far post loose, and score! Wow, Eddie equalizes. BYU's third draw in the Big 12 at home, which is interesting, because they're tough at home. They haven't lost, but they haven't won. Monday night, they host Kansas State with a great opportunity to get that first Big 12 home victory. I think we should do away with draws. I don't like it. Yeah, you win or you lose. Ten draws in the last year and a half for yeah. the soccer team. It's weird. Um, number 10, BYU women's volleyball is at Oklahoma tomorrow. The match starts at 3 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. The Cougars look to bounce back after dropping back-to-back -back games at Texas. It's a big match for them against Oklahoma. Women's basketball picked to finish 11th in the Big 12 preseason poll. Cougars slated ahead of newcomers Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. Texas was picked to finish first. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Arounds presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. You ready to go? Let's do it. Uh, Zach Wilson didn't wear his trademark headband against the Chiefs on Sunday. Um, should he go the rest of the season without wearing Yes. <laughs> Just start anew. Now he wears that headband to keep the sweat out of his eyes. Yeah, I heard yeah. him explaining that to Aaron Rodgers yeah. and Rodgers was like, dude, you should lose the... Take that off. Just listen to Aaron Rodgers, right. lose the headband, throw to your teammates, not the other team. Right. Get a win on Sunday. I agree with you. This is the last year of the Red River rivalry in the Big 12 with Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC next year. Will BYU and Utah be the biggest rivalry in the Big 12 moving forward? Absolutely. It's, it's one of the biggest rivalries in college football. I know a couple years ago when I looked at um, all-time rivalries, they were ranked number nine, BYU and Utah. Um, now they, they've slid a little bit, I think, because of um, it's been one-sided, you know, with, with Utah beating BYU, but um, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, people from all over college football are interested in seeing it. So. Hey, the last time they met, BYU won. It's pretty good doing it. all that matters. Uh, it's going to be good. Are we seeing the Big 12 effect with women's soccer? I think we are a little bit. They, they're not losing to the Big 12 teams, uh, but, but there's pressure in packed stadiums when they're for you and when things aren't going right like the, the other team scores first or whatever and then all of a sudden that pressure you can start to feel it we we talked to Livia Novaka the other day about it uh, they love the crowd they love all that stuff but they're playing teams that have athletes that are solid and that never quit yeah. and so three ties in three big 12 home games which is different for BYU they had seven ties last year under these new rules they don't play overtime yeah. which cost BYU a handful of wins um, but Break through it on uh, on Monday night. They go to Texas and they went on the road. Scored seven goals Monday of right. this week against yeah. Iowa State. But at home, things tighten up. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. Get loose. 
yeah. get loose on Monday. You know, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a uh, different pressure when it's a, a bigger stage and a bigger audience. So they'll get through it. You ready for the next one? Yeah. I'm Darius yeah. Laster's been great for BYU this season. Tied for the team lead in touchdown receptions. But the transfer wide receiver wore a red mouthpiece against Cincinnati. Is it time to get Darius a new mouthpiece? You know, I can't really fault Darius. I saw this and I was like, what in the world is going on? I can't really fault Darius because this is his first, like he's new here, right? Yeah. I came from a junior college and we were red and black. Immediately had to get rid of 100% of my closet. Literally, get, I got rid of everything because I, people were looking at me sideways. Like yeah, my teammates were like, the red. what are you doing? So I'm just trying to figure out how come none of his teammates have done the same thing to him? Like, dude, you can't come out here with red. Like, what's what's going on? So I don't I don't blame Darius. I, I blame the teammates. I'm gotta, judging the teammates. They got a bye weekend to work that out. <laughs> right, we'll right. see what happens. Up next, an emotional story of an All-American runner at BYU who found solace and joy through runninghood, or through running, and later motherhood. This is BYU Sports Nation. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to Top 5 Tuesday. The top five plays over the first five games of the BYU football season feels appropriate today. Uh, yeah. Start us off at number five, Jerry. Number five, Eddie Heckard, strip sack, fumble, and recovered by Tyler Batty against Arkansas. This is a huge play in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. Just a couple of minutes left. And big-time stuff from Eddie Heckard, who as soon as he did it, he knew that he popped that out. Tyler Batty right there. And boom goes the dynamite. Huge play and a big win at Arkansas. Number four, Isaac Rex, the Elk. Did that nickname go somewhere? It's still going. They <laughs> okay. brought it up on a broadcast. The here. Elk. Yeah. He's dashing after a beautiful pass from Keaton Slovis. Threads the needle, but great hands. And they gave him a hard time for not reaching the end zone because it would have broken the record, but still sitting good. on that. He's still, still tied with still the... Sitting, he's still waiting for one more to be the all-time record holder. Longest uh, play of the season right there. There you go, number four. Number three, Jacob Robinson, pick six versus Cincinnati. This was the first score of the game. And this was a big score. It gave BYU an early lead here, Spence. It was important because the offense only generated 38 yards until the last drive of the half. <laughs> Jacob Robinson, seventh career pick. First cornerback pick six at LaBelle Edwards Stadium since 06. BYU Statman and Hunter Miller. Yeah. On help uh, with that one. Now, Jacob was outspoken about this, especially his family. He wanted one. He's like, I got to get one. Absolutely. I got to get one. He's too good enough to have one. He's got it now. He's got it. Number two, Chase Roberts, according to Aaron Roderick, the Offensive Player of the Week for BYU football. This unbelievable 59-yard touchdown reception. Who cares that it was intended for Keanu Hill? <laughs> Chase did his job, came back to the ball, helped out his quarterback, and then beat everybody to the end zone. Aaron Roderick also said, Chase can run. He's fast. People need to give him credit for his I, ability to run. I made this point yesterday, yes. Spence. Yes. And the uh, number one play through the first five games of top five season, Chase Roberts, one-handed catch from oh. Arkansas. It is too good not to be number one. Uh, I have give to me number that. 46 in the greatest plays in BYU's oh. history. You may think, ah, you're just throwing out 46. No, no, no. We, we made a show made a couple the years list. ago. I looked. That's where I have it, number 46. 
Unreal. So good. Catch by Chase Roberts. I shot the film room yesterday with Chase. That'll air next week. He talks in depth more about that play. Deservedly, he's in spots one and two. It's been that type of season for Chase he Roberts. He is the closest thing, uh, well, Puka, uh, to Puka, <laughs> to Austin Collie. Those two have been the closest things we've had uh, to Austin Collie since then. The type of receiver Austin was. Cody Hoppin was his own type of receiver. Our question of the day. BYU has the ninth toughest schedule remaining according to ESPN's Football Power Index. What do you expect BYU's record to be over the final seven games? Steven Notham on Instagram answers, our elite voice today, presented by PAX, Healthcare Elevated. I think they absolutely win three, Yep. somewhat likely four, okay. and with a high Ken Palm luck rating, <laughs> That's BYU a thing. could win five. Very, very good. Very good. You know. You know. <laughs> Today's Rise of Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Season high, seven goals for women's soccer at Iowa State. More of that. That was great. Get a home win in the Big 12 for women's soccer, huh? Yeah. They haven't, they haven't picked that up yet. Yeah. So let's do that. That's coming up. Our thanks to today's guests, AJ Vongpachan and David Nixon. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.